podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. And it's another week. I'm here with uh, Louis Ragoni. Hey, Dolphins. And Jim Johnson. Hello, hello. So, guys, we were going to uh, kind of wing it this show and, and see what we come up with. I uh, read an article today that uh, was uh, printed on PFF's site. That's uh, Pro Football Focus. It it talked about our linebackers, and I I want to reference that. They said if there was a bright spot on Miami's defense last season, it was second-year linebacker Raquan McMillan's performance against the run, where he produced an 11th best 77 mark. McMillan is living up to his college projection as a strong run defender who had work to do in coverage, and that's still prevalent. His 43.4 coverage grade ranked 86th at the position. Jerome Baker posted the fifth worst run defensive grade in uh, 2019 at 39.1, a huge step back from his 77.3 mark as a rookie in 2018. Baker also has room to provide in coverage where he's graded at uh, 58.9. Miami desperately needs him to progress in that area as he's supposed to be the chase-and-run athlete of the linebacking corps. And then they talk about the guys they brought in. Uh, but you can tell by that that they're happy with McMillan's play against the run, and I think most everybody is. But they really questioned uh, Jerome Baker. I wonder what you guys thought of that, uh, Jim? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, last week we talked about you know what are the cornerstones on our team. Right. Our, our building blocks. And I kind of took some flack because I didn't mention Jerome Baker. And that's why, because this past season, he didn't do anything that great, to be perfectly honest with you. He did do a lot of things. He was involved with a lot of plays. Yeah, a lot of tackles. Yeah. But again, it wasn't, you know, he gave up some plays. He gave up some, you know, some missed tackles and some coverage issues. So, I'd rather have somebody that excels at something and is a little bit weaker somewhere else than somebody that is average or a bit below average across the board. And and he's really a guy that needs to step up. He's got the tools. Now, I don't know if he had too much on his plate and he was overthinking the game or what, but he needs to step it up for sure. Yeah, you know, in a player's career, there comes a point where they are what they are. Right. I mean, you know, Baker, McMillan, they are what they are Um, now. Can they improve? Yes. I mean, I I think that uh, Baker could be a much better football player than than what he showed last year. But, you know, when you look at him and you see the fact that he went backwards, it's a little bit alarming. The thing is, this is that, you know, at some point you look at this linebacking crew and among them, you see guys that are, you know, kind of part-time players to an extent. I don't know if Baker is a three-down guy. Um, He had a lot of problems in the run, against the run. A little bit better. I think he rated out, Mike, as you just mentioned, uh, better uh, in pass coverage than he did against the run by far. But 
Uh, again, yeah, but neither was good. Yeah, neither and, was good, exactly. And and the point of the matter is, is that, and I don't want to make excuses for either one of these players. I mean, McMillan went in one direction and Baker went in the other. So the point I was going to make is that you know sometimes the guys that surround you have an effect on how you're playing. Maybe you're overthinking. Maybe you're trying to do too much on the field. So. He's got a little bit better group around him. You know, the defensive ends, uh, there's been an improvement there, or we hope there's going to be an improvement. I mean, it seems like they've gotten better football players for those positions. So let's see how he does this year. But this this is a big year for both of those guys. I mean, if they don't improve their football games, uh, they're not going to be around much longer. You know, I mean, four, five, six seasons into your career, you know, you, you have to start showing something more than what, you know, than what you're showing on the field right now. Neither one of these guys is going to be a dominant football player. I mean, I think they are what they are, what they are, what they are. I think they'll be decent football players, but neither one of them is going to be a pro bowler. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I never say never. Right, but, but I don't. But I don't see it to this point. You know. Right. I think. I, I think McMillan, like you said, is what he is. He's a good run defender, and he's just not going to do much in coverage. Uh, Baker, I expect more from. You would, but the fact that again he went backwards, where McMillan went forward with the same guys around him, kind of. You know, I mean, I was I was trying to make a point there in regard to that, to where, you know, I was kind of trying to defend Baker as I thought about it. But if McMillan improved and Baker went backwards, then it's really not an excuse. I mean, he's got to go out there and do his job one way or another, regardless of who's around them. Yeah, well, McMillan was had limited snaps and they they kept him in the ground game and he he excelled at what they put him in there to do. So that's that's great for McMillan. Uh, but Baker, he kind of underachieved all the way around. You know, I if I'm going to have, you know, a star linebacker, he's got to be impacting games. He's the quarterback of your defense, and he should be affected. He should be affecting the scoreboard. You know, be it in in tackles for losses or forced fumbles or or an interception or something. He should be impacting games, and it, he's making tackles, but they're not always that of impactful of a tackle if you get my drift so absolutely absolutely i mean he didn't make a lot of plays for that defense last year regardless um you know he's on the field early and just like mcmillan is in running situations and one guy is doing an extremely good job and the other one isn't um and you know what we may be putting a little bit too much on the table i mean this is his third season so maybe you know we'll see i mean this is the time where he needs to do it he needs uh, to step up. He needs yeah. to step up. I mean, Devontae developed into a really good receiver, you know, long into his career. So, you know, there is hope. And like you mentioned, Mike, he does have a lot of talent. I mean, he has the ability, but he has to do it. He has to do it. He has to do it on the football field on Sundays or Mondays or Thursday nights. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like it used to be, eh, Lou? <laughs> or Saturdays near the end of the year. <laughs> they they may be they may be playing Fridays and Saturdays at the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. you know, if it, <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that, Mike, because I thought about that a little bit because baseball's having a lot of issues and they're going to double headers yep. and and all this kind of stuff. So you know, I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, suppose a team that you're playing against gets hit 
pretty hard, you know, in regard to the uh, virus. Right, and, or you and do. The, right, and they have to cancel the game for that given week. Uh, you know, how do you approach that? You know, you, we did. I mean, I'm sure they're implementing the one bye week, but I mean, with the way baseball is going right now, if they have this happen a couple of times, you know, that's why I said, Mike, I think well, we can get into this later. You know, I don't know if you want to do this right now. No, that's fine. Linebackers. Well, we're, we're in it. So go ahead. Say what you're saying. What I was going to say is that, you know, we, I, me and you talked during the week and I said, you know, maybe they should seriously consider shortening the season, you know, to maybe make, you know, have room to make up games near the end of the year. And um, it's something that they're really going to have to look at. You know, the uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. The advantage that the NFL is going to have is the fact that MLB is running, the NBA is running, the NHL is running. So they can look at what they've done and the things they've had to tweak, and they've kind of gotten advantage in that aspect. And, uh, you know, they can tweak some things. I mean, maybe you shorten the season by two by two weeks, so you have that ability, you know. Yeah, take San Francisco and Kansas City. We don't need those. There games. you yeah. go. Yeah, take them right off our <laughs> schedule. Sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, Absolutely, you know. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, to see where they go in that direction. Were we done with the linebackers, Michael? Because I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to go in a different direction. They're not thrilled with the linebacking department without these two guys progressing from where they are now. Right. And that's what the addition of Van Noy and all those guys, they're still right. not, they're yeah, still not. To uh, quote them, the Dolphins linebacking corp looks like a bottom tier unit, but a strong year of progression from McMillan, McMillan and Baker could change that in a hurry. Yeah, they are the key. I mean, they, they, yep. we all know that. Yep. You know, I, I, I bring that up because a lot of people, I think, think Baker has been playing better than he has been. And that's really the reason I brought it up. I know some people on the page thought he should have been, you know, one of the centerpieces of the defense. Well, he's not. You know, the cornerbacks are. Uh, for him to be that centerpiece, he's going to have to really step up his game. Yeah, I mean, guys, do you remember last last year's preseason, how jacked we were? I mean, the guy was playing at a very high level yep. going into the season. And all three of us talked about it. Um, I know Jim did. I remember him talking about him and oh, the yeah. both of us did as well we were all fired up all three of us and um you know as the season progressed you were waiting and waiting and waiting and it just never happened yep yeah i i kept waiting for him to have a breakout game and then build on that and it, it just never really materialized i think he had more below average games than he had you know a plus games so uh he, he needs to you know, I'm hoping that with the addition of Vanoy, another quality linebacker, that maybe he won't have quite as much on his plate and he'll be able to go back to, you know, automatic football and, and make more plays. Well, I think what's going to help them both is they've brought in some run defenders along the defensive line. Yes. And that should make their jobs a little bit easier. So we'll get a better feel for both McMillan and Baker towards the end of this season, assuming they play. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and they also said uh, Christian Wilkins needs development. So what are your thoughts there? Well, he probably could be stronger or more impactful in the middle. Well, they, they, but, they like his play against the run, and uh -huh. they don't like his play rushing the quarterback. That's really the focus of their argument. Yeah, I, he did not make much of an impact on the games rushing the quarterback. I did notice that. You know, and and – 
whether it's a technique issue or if he's prioritizing the the run the run stopping more because face it if you're if you're in a run stop mode and you don't have that first step or two to get after the quarterback it's that much harder to actually get there so you know i mean it's it's very difficult only the few very top tier Defensive tackles excel at both, so it, and that's where he could develop. Is well, is he was improve. a thirteenth pick overall. He should uh-huh. be one of those guys, right? Uh huh. That's that you would think, but that's not necessarily how it translates. But yeah, he could help. He could improve in the run in the pass game. That's for sure. I mean, he he needs to get in there and disrupt some more plays than what he has. Absolutely. I mean, he doesn't even necessarily have to get to the quarterback to do that, but he has to break down that pocket in the middle of the field, and we just didn't see that. I mean, yeah, yeah you, I well, mean, you, he needs to crash that, that that center of the offense so the quarterback has to scramble and run into somebody else. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, if you listen, if you look across our defensive line last year, and this may have something to do with it as well, is the fact that if you looked across that line, you'd be like, okay, uh, don't have to worry about the ends. I guess Wilkins is the guy, even though we don't know much about him, he's the guy that we're going to double team or we're going to throw more, you know, more blocking at because there was really nobody else across that line, especially the defensive end position that you were going to be overly concerned with. So again, you know, it's a team game. You know, we, we talked about Baker, we talked about McMillan and the guys around them and, you know, you can bring it up in Wilkins's case as well. You know, when they start getting better players around them and they have more depth, uh, you'll probably see these guys, their games step up at that point. You know, they'll, well, they'll you know, become if, if better. If he's rushing players. the passer a little better, maybe Baker's making more plays behind him in coverage. You know, absolutely, kind I mean, of works hand teamwork. in hand. Yeah. Absolutely, and that you know, that's my point is that yep. you know you've got to have it's a team game. You got eleven guys, especially nowadays. You know, with the way football is being played, I mean, yeah, you have to have everybody doing their job correctly, or else it, it's just not going to work. Agreed. Mike, uh, you, you hit it spot on because even if you're you're playing the run, if you're not trying to get into the backfield, you know you can't make that tackle for a loss. You know if you crash that line and you and you you meet the guy when he's getting the handoff from the quarterback, you've destroyed that play. And now even if it's not a you know if it's if it's optioned out and it's a pass play, now you're already in the pocket. You're you're doing damage. You've already disrupted the play. And when I see him, I watch him specifically in games to see what he's doing. He's not getting any penetration past that line of scrimmage. He makes a lot of tackles right there, so guys yes. aren't getting by him. So that's great, but he needs to get into that pocket another yard in there to to, to cause more disruption. Yeah, penetration is always good when you're playing the run, uh, as long as it's a team thing and you're not leaving gaping holes, you know, behind you. They said that the AFC East is the worst division in football. Who is they, Mike? They is PFF. PFF. Okay, so we're back to PFF. They're saying it because other people have said it. They're not saying it necessarily because it's definitely their thought, but they're going with it. So they're saying the AFC East, our division, is the worst in football. Right. Okay. And well, and they basically said that, you know, because of that, Miami does stand a chance to make the playoffs. That's where they were going with it. But I wondered if you agree, if you guys agree that it's the worst division in football. Jim, you wanna you wanna start with this one here? You know, I can talk about it a little bit. I, I don't see 
the AFC East being the worst division. You look at the our division and the Patriots are full of bullet holes right now. They've got a lot of people that have uh, opted out of the season and they lost a lot of players, but you still can't really count them out. Uh, Buffalo is, is on the rise. Uh, the Jets are, you know, picking it up as well. And, you know, we're on the, on the rise. So, uh, boy, I'd have to analyze some of these divisions, but uh, to put us last, I, I don't think so. Well, um, other than the NFC East, where the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants and Redskins are, um, I'll be honest with you, Jim. I mean, I'm kind of in agreement with them on this. Uh, you know, the Jets... As long as Gase is there, I don't have a lot of faith in them. I think New England's in rebuild mode. Um, We are in rebuild mode. The Bills are the cream of the crop in our division right now. And they're a good team, but they're not a great team. In the AFC and in the other divisions, uh, the AFC South, you have the Texans and the Titans, both very good football teams. You got the Colts now with Phillip Rivers. They were a 500 team last year. And then you have the Jaguars. So... You know, I mean that I would say that division's probably better than us because they they probably have three teams that are stronger than just about anybody in our division, you know, with the exception of maybe the Bills. Now, in the West, you know, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. Um, you know, Chiefs, Super Bowl champs, Broncos, Raiders. I think are on the up. You know, the other division, the North, the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals. Yeah, it's not great. I think that division is uh, it's not maybe great worse, either. maybe it, worse. It's it's not great. It's it's comparable. Um, you know, in the NFC, you know, like I said, other than the East, I think the division's... No, are- I agree with you. The East is the, the division that I chose to be the worst, followed by the NFC, uh, I mean the AFC North. So you think our division is the third worst, Mike? Yes. Okay, I yes. got gotcha. you. And, and it, you, you said it's a toss-up with the North, and I agree with you. I mean, it is. But you got Cincinnati with two wins. I mean, all of, all of our teams were certainly better than two wins. Cleveland had six wins. Pittsburgh had eight wins. You know, they were not impressive. Now, they get Roethlisberger back this year. We'll see if they rebound. But uh, if they do, it's going to be on the strength of their defense, I think. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way I looked at that, Mike. I'd probably give them a little bit of an edge because had they had Roethlisberger, I mean they won eight games without him. Um, you know, so you got two teams probably coming out of that division uh, as playoff teams as compared to our division, where you know you probably got the Bills and nobody else going into this season. You know, the Browns underachieved. I mean, they've got a lot of talent. You know, probably just as much as anybody in our division, including the Bills, but they just don't put it together. So, um, you know, I would probably say you're right, though. I mean, you know, as I'm looking at this, I mean, the NFC East, you know, I mean, the Eagles, average football team, Cowboys, I feel are an average team with all the great players they have, um, you know, just underachievers. And uh, and then the Giants and Redskins are just not good football teams right now. So, yeah, we're probably ahead of them. And um, that that that's pretty much it in my eyes in regard to. No, uh, I agree with that. So who do you think is the top division? I'm going to have to say probably. Ah, boy, that's kind of a 
So let me. I'd, let, I'd have to ahead. say I'd have to go with probably the NFC West as far as the overall complete division. You got the Seahawks. That's, that's who I would have chosen. The Niners and the Rams that are legitimate. I mean, they've been those three teams have been to the Super Bowl like the last four or five years. Uh, and the Cardinals are, you know, they've got their quarterback and they're building back up. So that would be my my top division. I mean, uh, the the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions, uh, but the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, yeah, no, that's not putting me a, you know, putting them near the top as far as a whole division goes. So I don't think they're far off it. Oh, they're they're close. They're close. Well, yeah, yes, I know. I mean, no. Las Vegas is going to be a fun team to be around, uh, and I think they're going to improve. That the, the wild the wild card in that division to me is the Chargers. You know uh, what are they going to do? Exactly. All right, rookie quarterback. They yeah. lost their 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 best offensive player, or one of their best offensive players, um, Melvin Gordon. He's gone. Yeah. I mean, well. They're moving yeah. on from Phillip Rivers, too. That's going to be a huge adjustment. Right. Yeah, that's what I did. They've got the rookie quarterback there. But, I mean, the NFC West, I mean, you, you hit right on, Jim. I mean, I think I think they are by far the best division. Um, you know, they don't really have a weak team in that division. The Cardinals won five games last year, but they're much improved, and they're going to be much improved again this season because uh, – they're putting together a nice team there. So they're going to have four very, very Well, they're going to have to because they have three opponents in their division that are tough. <laughs> Absolutely. No uh-huh. question about it. No question about it. I mean, you know, the NFC North, you know, the Packers, the Vikings are always pretty good. You know, the Bears, they have quarterback problems, but they're a very solid team otherwise. They really are. Uh, they just have problems at that quarterback position, and that's why they finished 8-8 eight and eight last year. But if uh, they figure it out, they'll be a very good team because they have a lot of talent on both sides of the football there, both yeah, offensively and defensively. They gave up the fewest points in that division. Yep. Yep. Very good. Very good team. What do you guys think of the teams that have players that are opting out? As far as how it's going to hurt the teams or how about- it's gonna, How it's going to affect the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've only got, what, another two or three days before they have to... No, I think they've extended it. I think they have through the 7th, and that may change. I'm not even sure if that's certain. But it was the 3rd, and now I heard it was the 7th, and we'll see what happens from there. You know, there's so many variables for players to consider whether they're going to play or whether they're going to opt out. You know, do they have, you know... Uh, an elderly parent living with them? Do they have a, you know, a, a brother, a sister, a friend, a cousin, or what have you that's compromised in some way? Uh, new, you know, is their wife pregnant? Is there a family that they're, they're living with? Um, there's so many variables. Everybody has their own shoes to walk in, and it's uh, one of those things where you just can't really predict who's going to just say, let's go do this, and who's going to say, no, I'm going to stay home and play it safe. You look at the Patriots, they've had, what, seven guys or something opt out already, and some of the relatively big-name players. So it's going to affect some teams. I just want to get away from Belichick. Yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, It's going to affect some teams a lot more than others. Uh, We haven't had really any issues with it at this point, Uh, but we're a young team, so – you know, those those young folks are probably a little more uh, 
fearless about it. So it's it's going to be an easier choice for most of them. But uh, it's it's going to be a huge impact to the game across the board, I believe, because you got to figure that a big percentage of these players are still trying to make up their minds what they're doing. Well, I mean, do you think it's a competitive disadvantage to, in a sense? Because I do. Well, this is this is all new territory. I don't see how you can... Are you going to put a cap on the number of people that are allowed to opt out per team? And no, then- I'm not saying you can fix it, but I'm saying, you know, you take the Patriots, for example. You know, they lost seven players. Miami didn't lose any. Do you think that is a competitive advantage for Miami? Yeah, but I don't care. It's the Patriots. <laughs> Mike, you're going to find that across the league because. But, yeah, no, you are. And that's what I'm saying. It's definitely going to be a situation. I mean, it's happening in baseball right now. I mean, there's teams that aren't even able to play. And once they do play again, they're going to have half their team out. You know, a lot of guys that made the roster are not even going to be playing baseball for them. So in football, I mean, I don't know how they're going to avoid it. I mean, inevitably, it's going to happen. It's going to affect, you know, different teams. There's no question. The coaches are putting a lot of pressure on the players to not be the guy. (laughs) But, but Mike, it it may not necessarily be one of the players. It could be any personnel. I mean, for the love of God, I I, I saw the Mets play the Braves this past weekend, and they had the damn mascot out there in his little suit running around in the stands with no fans there. And I'm watching this game, and I'm like, what purpose does a mascot serve in an empty stadium on a game that's being televised? Uh, and there's nobody in the stands. What's it, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. So in regard to football, my point is in regard to football. Well, I mean, if TD is s- running through the stands, he's not going to infect anyone, right? Mike, he's still coming to the stadium. He's still in areas. It doesn't make a difference. The point I'm trying to make is is that you want to have the minimum amount of people around because I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a mascot, if you're a cameraman, if you're a, if, if you're a, a jockstrap washer. It doesn't make any difference. The, there's a ton of clubhouse people. There's a ton of trainers. There's a ton of coaches on football staffs. I mean, it's like... So basically what you're saying is you want them all on unemployment. No, what I'm saying is, is that it's going to be virtually impossible to control it. It just is. It's that simple. I mean, I agree with you. You've got, you know, you've got 60 some odd guys on a roster in baseball. They've had basically half of that and then throw all the staff in and you might as well forget it. I mean, you're talking about to run a football team. You're probably talking about 120 to 130 people that are involved in the running of an everyday, you know, the practices and everything. I mean, it's a lot of personnel and it's a lot of people that, that, you know, you're expecting to do things, you know, once they're, tra- and once they start traveling all over the country, then forget it. You know, you're exposing them to even more people. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I think it's inevitably going to hit people, uh, hit players and, and it's going to hurt teams. And, some teams are hopefully going to be, you know, the Dolphins being one of them, they're going to be somewhat fortunate. I mean, you don't like winning football games when you're playing a team that's depleted by all their star players due to the virus. You know, I I, I wouldn't feel good about winning games that way. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, I hate, I hate being negative about it, but it's a reality right now. And, you know, baseball's going through it and 
you know, I think that we're going to have the same problem in football. You know, as I'm watching baseball, I'm seeing that some teams are really, really out there and they've got it together. It seems like they're so much sharper than some of the other teams. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if it's just certain, you know, certain teams are just going through the motions and just trying to get through this thing. And um, other teams are just, you know, just taking it more seriously. But there's definitely, definitely, um, you know, a difference from one team to the next as I'm watching them. And, um, you know, I, I, I expect to see some of that in football as well. I mean, you guys mentioned one of the reasons, but, you know, I think that as the season progresses that, you know, you're going to see teams maybe lose guys. Guys are going to opt out at some point. Guys that maybe contact it uh, just decide to stay away from the team for the remainder of the season. And then other guys are going to say, well, you know what? Um, I'm going to do the same. I'm just going to get away from this. I don't want to subject myself to it for whatever reason or, you know, for one reason or another, but it's happening in baseball. I mean, guys that were on board to start the season have now dropped off. Uh, the Mets had one of their star players yesterday. Uh, the Brewers had one of their star players the day before. Um, you know, it's, it's happening daily right now. And, um, I mean, you could almost expect the same thing to happen in football at some point. If, in fact, you know, teams start getting infected, then you got to cancel, you know, games against the team you're playing against, and they've got to do things differently. So, you know, it's it's really, really tough. It's really going to be a tough situation. They've got backups to backups, Lou. I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be. If you get a couple of guys sick, you're going to have to not play. You know, if they get 25 people sick, then that's different, but... You know, I mean, they, they, they're protected. They've got, they're going to carry more people on the practice squad for that reason. Uh, so unless it, unless it really goes crazy through a team like uh, it did with the Marlins, uh, I, I think they'll be okay. Well, what's happening, Mike, uh, the Marlins have a pool as well. There's 60 guys that they have and they need 30 on the field. I think they cut it back you know, after the first couple of weeks to maybe 28. I don't know what the exact number is, but they mm -hmm. have a pool of 60 players. The Marlins could have actually fielded a foot, uh, a baseball team. But what they're doing is, is they're, they're shutting down the t not only the team because they're afraid other players have it, but they're also shutting down the team that they were playing against. So whoever the Marlins were playing on that given week, I believe they shut them down for their next series as well. So, you know, if you start throwing that into the mix, now you're talking about two different teams that, that basically becomes four teams that won't be playing on a right. given Sunday. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. For the following yes. week. So, you know, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And, um, you know, there's so many different directions that it can go in. You know, well, we just, what does Jim's crystal ball say? The crystal ball is overwhelmed with too many questions this year. 2020 has uh, really <laughs> flustered the crystal ball, and it's it's taken a you know a leave of absence. Have you thought about getting a second crystal ball? Well, every just like everything else, is they're back ordered. You know, they're not available, and uh, they we just can't get you know supplies or anything. Do they come so. from China? These crystal balls. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing that we don't know that nobody knows where crystal balls come from. So you know uh -huh. when you when you order them up, you know there's no tracking or anything. So it's it's a problem. But 
2020 uh, has, if nothing else, has has kind of taught us to go with the flow this year. That's for sure. So we're going to have to wait and see how things play out. I am just in a you know in a position where I, you know I'm 50 50 on whether or not they get this season in. I can't feel confident that they're going to, but I'm not necessarily saying that they won't because, as I've said before, you know, billionaires have a way of getting things done, and, and these guys want to get the season in for obvious reasons. I tend to think they're going to do everything in their power to do that. Now, uh, the question is, <laughs> will the virus allow them to do so? All right, guys, I, I think that's going to be it for uh, tonight's show. Uh, thanks for joining me. Very welcome. Enjoyed it as usual. And thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back next week. Fins up. Fins up. All right. So that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Podcast Network.